Chapter 3 of The Story of My Life and Work. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andrew Kennedy. The Story of My Life and Work by Booker T. Washington. Chapter 3 Life at Hampton Institute. After my mother and brother John had secured me a few extra garments, with what I could provide for myself, I started for Hampton, about the 1st of October, 1872. How long I was on this journey I have at this time no very definite idea. Part of the way I went by railroad, part in a stage, and part on foot. I remember that when I got as far as Richmond, Virginia, I was completely out of money and knew not a single person in the city. Besides, I had never been in a city before. I think it was about nine o'clock at night that I reached Richmond. I was hungry, tired, and dirty, and had nowhere to go. I wandered about the streets until about midnight, when I felt completely exhausted. By chance I came to a street that had a plank sidewalk, and I crept under this sidewalk and spent the night. The next morning I felt very much rested, but was still quite hungry, as it had been some time since I had a good meal. When I awoke, I noticed some ships not far from where I had spent the night. I went to one of these vessels and asked the captain to permit me to work for him, so that I could earn some money to get some food. The captain very kindly gave me work, which was that of helping to unload pig iron from the vessel. In my rather weak and hungry condition I found this hard work, but I stuck to it, and was given enough money to buy a little food. My work seemed to have pleased the master of the vessel so much that he furnished me with work for several days, but I continued to sleep under the sidewalk each night, for I was anxious to save enough money to pay my passage to Hampton. After working on this vessel for some days, I started again for Hampton, and arrived there in a day or two. With a surplus of fifty cents in my pocket. I did not let anyone know how forlorn my condition was. I feared that if I did, I would be rejected as one that was altogether too unpromising. The first person I saw after reaching the Hampton Institute was Miss Mary F. Mackey, the lady principal. After she had asked me many searching questions, with a good deal of doubt and hesitation in her manner, I was assigned to a room. She remarked at the same time that it would be decided later whether I could be admitted as a student. I shall not soon forget the impression that the sight of a good, clean, comfortable room and bed made upon me, for I had not slept in a bed since I left my home in West Virginia. Within a few hours, I presented myself again before Miss Mackey to hear my fate, but she still seemed to be undecided. Instead of telling me whether or not I could remain, I remember she showed me a large recitation room and told me to sweep it. I felt at once that the sweeping of that room would decide my case. I knew I could sweep, for Mrs. Ruffner had taught me that art well. I think that I must have swept that room over as many as three times and dusted it the same number of times. After a while, Miss Mackey came into the room and rubbed her handkerchief over the tables and benches to see if I had left any dust, but not a particle could she find. 
she remarked with a smile, I guess we will try you as a student. At that moment, I think I was the happiest individual that ever entered the Hampton Institute. After I had been at the Hampton Institute a day or two, I saw General Armstrong, the principal, and he made the impression upon me of being the most perfect specimen of a man, physically, mentally, and spiritually, that I had ever seen, and I have never had occasion to change my first impression. In fact, as the years went by, and as I came to know him better, the feeling grew. I have never seen a man in whom I had such confidence. It never occurred to me that it was possible for him to fail in anything that he undertook to accomplish. I have sometimes thought that the best part of my education at Hampton was obtained by being permitted to look upon General Armstrong day by day. He was a man who could not endure for a minute hypocrisy or want of truth in anyone. This moral lesson he impressed upon everyone who came in contact with him. After I had succeeded in passing my sweeping examination, I was assigned by Miss Mackey to the position of assistant janitor. This position, with the exception of working on the farm for a while, I held during the time I was a student at Hampton. I took care of four or five classrooms, that is, I swept and dusted them and built the fires when needed. A great portion of the time I had to rise at four o'clock in the morning in order to do my work and find time to prepare my lessons. Everything was very crude at Hampton when I first went there. There were about two hundred students. There was but one substantial building, together with some old government barracks. There were no tablecloths on the meal tables, and that which was called tea or coffee was served to us in yellow bowls. Cornbread was our chief food. Once a week we got a taste of white bread. While taking the regular literary and industrial courses at Hampton, next to my regular studies, I was most fond of the debating societies, of which there were two or three. The first subject that I debated in public was whether or not the execution of Major Andre was justifiable. After I had been at Hampton a few months, I helped to organize the after-supper club. I noticed that the students usually had about 20 minutes after tea when no special duty called them, so about 25 of us agreed to come together each evening and spend those 20 minutes in the discussion of some important subject. These meetings were a constant source of delight and were most valuable in preparing us for public speaking. While at Hampton, my best friends did not know how badly off I was for clothing during a large part of the time, but I did not fret about that. I always had the feeling that if I could get knowledge in my head, the matter of clothing would take care of itself afterwards. At one time, I was reduced to a single ragged pair of cheap socks. These socks I had to wash overnight and put them on the next morning. After I had remained at Hampton for two years, I went back to West Virginia to spend my four months on vacation. Soon after my return to Malden, my mother, who was never strong, died. I do not remember how old I was at this time, but I do remember that it was during my vacation from Hampton. I had been without work for some time and had been off several miles looking for work. On returning home at night, I was very tired 
and stopped in the boiler room of one of the engines used to pump salt water into the salt furnace near my home. I was so tired that I soon fell asleep. About two or three o'clock in the morning, someone, my brother John, I think, found me and told me that our mother was dead. It has always been a source of indescribable pain to me that I was not present when she passed away. But the lessons of truth, honor, and thrift which she implanted in me while she lived have remained with me, and I consider them among my most precious possessions. She seemed never to tire of planning ways for me and the other children to get an education and to make true men and women of us, although she herself was without education. This was the severest trial I had ever experienced, because she always sympathized with me deeply in every effort that I made to get on in the world. My sister Amanda was too young to know how to take care of the house, and my stepfather was too poor to hire anyone. Sometimes we had food cooked for our meals, and sometimes we did not. During the whole of the summer, after the death of my mother, I do not think there was a time when the whole family sat down to a meal together. By working for Mrs. Ruffner and others, and by the aid of my brother John, I obtained money enough to return to Hampton in the fall, and graduated in the regular course in the summer of 1875. Aside from General Armstrong, General Marshall, and Miss Mackey, the persons who made the deepest impression upon me at Hampton were Miss Natalie Lord and Miss Elizabeth Brewer two teachers from New England. I am especially indebted to these two for being helped in my spiritual life and led to love and understanding the Bible. Largely by reason of their teaching, I find that a day really, if ever, passes when I am at home that I do not read the Bible. Miss Lord was a teacher of reading, and she kindly consented to give me many extra lessons in elocution. These lessons I have since found most valuable to me, Life at Hampton was a constant revelation to me. It was constantly taking me into a new world. The matter of having meals at regular hours, of eating at a tablecloth, using a napkin, the use of the bathtub and the toothbrush, as well as the use of sheets upon the bed, were all new to me. I sometimes feel that the most valuable lesson I learned at the Hampton Institute was the use of the bath. I learned there for the first time some of its value not only in keeping the body healthy, but in inspiring self-respect and promoting virtue. In all my travels in the South and elsewhere, since leaving Hampton, I have always in some ways sought my daily bath. To get it sometimes when I have been the guest of my own people in a single room, the cabin has not always been easy to do, except by slipping away to some stream in the woods. I have always tried to teach my people that some provision for bathing should be a part of every house. After finishing the course at Hampton, I went to Saratoga Springs in New York and was a waiter during the summer at the United States Hotel, the same hotel at which I have several times since been a guest upon the invitation of friends. The End of Chapter 3